Hey all, welcome to the Common Good Podcast. Uh, it's a Thursday, April 28th today. Doug Badgett here, snuck away in my basement uh, studio of resistance, uh, just outside Minneapolis, Minnesota, where the skies are starting to clear, and that's a good thing because it's 35 degrees on April 28th. Dan, the average high in Minnesota is supposed to be 61. It's like half the high. It's like an F on grades. Yeah, it's like, like I've been saying, that. global warming is a hoax. <laughs> Told you, told you it wasn't happening. If if the planet's getting warmer, why is it so cold out? Huh? Yeah, why are tell there cold that. days? <laughs> Riddle me that. Physicist Paul Paul Wallace on here to tell us about that. How are things looking outside of South Bend? It is cold and not sunny. So, uh, yeah, best of both of those sorry. worlds. Yeah, just uh, hey, uh, because it's April twenty eighth. I feel like I had an. I'm just going to mention that it's April twenty eighth, twenty twenty two, where I I had an epiphany of understanding. And that is, I've been hearing for a long time uh, people talking about what the what the war, cultural wars are in the United States, and that they have the potential to deeply influence true international war. And I think it's happened. I, I was actually brought to this this view by an article written by a man named Edward Luce in the Financial Times, which I only saw him on a TV program. That's how I knew about it. It's this obscure little short article. Um, but his argument is that Vladimir Putin is actually involved as in multiple wars. And this is true of any kind of war. Any time uh, military action from a government is taken against another government, there are many things going on. And if we ever fool ourselves into saying, well, we know what this war is about. This war is about fill in the blank. You're only getting started on the list of things that that war is about. Right. And, and we... We should do well to stay curious about what the what the deeper motivations are, because it's never enough. No country ever goes to war for money. They don't even go to war for a simple grievance. There are a lot of other ways to work this out than war. War is a, a terrible action. It has to be about something more grand. And so a lot of debate about what's going on with Vladimir Putin in Ukraine. But as it turns out, part of how it connects to the American psyche, and this has been helpful for me because we mentioned the other day, I've been a little confused as to what does this have to do with America? And I'm still not sure why we do war drama the way we do and people get hooked up in thinking about war and you know what we know about the maturations of troop movements across Ukraine. Somewhere it's, it's, it's moved into another territory of some kind of apocalyptic entertainment that's I'm a little bit confused and uncomfortable with. But there are some issues going on in Russia and Ukraine that are deeply connected to the issues in the United States. And Edward Luce argues in this article, it's actually a war on behalf of men or on a certain kind of skewed view of masculinity. Mm -hmm. Now, when you first hear this argument, right, that Putin's other war and what he's doing in Ukraine is actually connected to this other movement that's alive and well in the United States, which is an argument to say that there's a war on men and there's a war on true men and a war on masculinity happening through the West. And Vladimir Putin wants to take up a certain attitude of true manhood. And that true manhood business has been picked up by the conservative, political, and religious right in the United States. And this is part of the reason that a lot of these people, Tucker Carlson uh, specifically, and a bunch of others, especially religious people, have a hard time turning against Putin. 
because they're like, but he really represents this attitude that we like. Yeah. And you know, the, the, top of the article uh, and what we have on the screen, if you can see it, is that classic picture from, I don't know, it must have been 10 years ago or 15 years ago of Vladimir Putin riding without a shirt on the back of a horse and wearing <laughs> sunglasses uh, and a watch on his right hand. So it is such a curious picture, which obviously the Kremlin released for some reason, and it just couldn't be more... Uh, iconic of a man trying to say I'm a man's man, you know, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's got a little bit of that 1970s Bo Derek look to it. Actually. I don't know if you, you remember the movie 10, mm -hmm. uh, but it was a movie about a really beautiful woman who was tormented by this. And she was, you know, on the, this is back when people would rate other individuals with a number on their scale of attractiveness. And, uh, Anyway, she rode uh, in, a, I think, a bathing suit on the back of a horse, which was very iconic at the time for a lot of things. So Putin is clearly trying to call up this erotica kind of narrative and notion. Well, this isn't just a guy who's got, who has a low self-esteem. Yeah, the Marlboro Man, Dave, Dave reminds us. Um, <laughs> it's actually something much deeper and it's something much more. It's this philosophical argument about masculinity. Mm -hmm. And uh, people... The, the thing that makes me worried about it isn't just, hey, look, we've always had these arguments, because we have. Like, to set this in some context for a minute, there are stories in the Jewish Bible, what my tradition of Christianity calls the Old Testament, that are totally built around this kind of thing. Like, what kind of person is the most manly? It's a story of two brothers. One of them was very burly and very strong and very manly and had big hands and fuzzy face. And another one was smooth skinned. And the one tricked the other brother out of his birthright. And the story of Joseph is that he was staying at home with the women and not out working in the fields with the men. And when he comes out, they, the brothers then don't see him as their kind of man's man. And they throw him into a, into a, a ditch and, He's later, uh, you know, pulled out and saved by the Pharaoh and then becomes the, the, the prince of, of Egypt and the king of Israel. So these are the stories that have been around nonstop, right? Brother against brother, which one's more righteous, which one's more manly, mm -hmm. for sure. But these things also, also go bad in a hurry. And they become a narrative that gives permission for all kinds of of uh, aggression and combativeness within society, within a, within a culture. Yeah. And that's what I think is going on. And what Edward Luce writes in this article is he writes, Vladimir Putin is waging two wars, one in Ukraine, the other war that Putin is fighting is on the LGBTQ people, feminist and effeminate men and liberal values, telling his setbacks on the ground in Ukraine Oh, a lot to the fact that the Russian troops are at war with a whole society, not just male warriors. They must give Putin a lot of heartburn. And he goes on to say the army in Ukraine, one of the things that's driving Putin particularly mad is that like one in seven soldiers in the Ukrainian army are women. Mm -hmm. 
and it's open to LGBTQ people to be in the Ukrainian army. As it turns out, among the rationale that Putin has had for attacking Ukraine is he believes that Ukraine, because it has detached itself from the motherland of Russia, is losing its societal norms, including an effeminate kind of takeover of men, and he wants to return a more masculine view to the Ukrainian people. Now, that's the kind of subtext that you see in the United States. You hear it from, you know, not only the Tucker Carlson's of the world, but you hear it from Josh Hawley, who's a senator. You hear it from Ted Cruz. You hear it from pastors and preachers across uh, religious ideologies of, of right conservatism all the time. In fact, on this podcast, we have had multiple authors who've written about this in the Christian tradition. The, this argument for biblical manhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, a woman named Beth Barr was on and talked about that. Kristen Dumay was on just before her book came out called Jesus and John Wayne, which you know thousands of people have read Kristen Dumay's book called Jesus and John Wayne, explaining the toxic masculinity that really makes the religious right function in this country. But just calling it out and naming it and showing that it exists doesn't eradicate it. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's... It, it's it's like it's like those those um, uh, watch your credit score programs that you can buy, you know, where they say, "Hey, we'll tell you if you have a problem with your credit score." But they don't actually fix it. They're right. just like, <laughs> "You have a bad credit score, and somebody stole your data." Yeah. So now you know. You know. Now you're now you know now you're how informed. bad it is. Yeah. Well. Look, I'm not saying Kristen's book doesn't do its job. It does its job. It shows people what's going on. Yeah, so it shines does, a so light on reality. But it's been going on a long time, and it doesn't go away just when you shine a light on it. Right. In fact, people turn it from a flaw into a feature. And so what's going on in Ukraine, it's really bizarre to realize the Ukrainian people are having to fight for an open and inclusive society that's rejecting a kind of toxic masculinity. And that's the same thing that seems to be happening in the United States. Mm -hmm. And then what they're saying, and here's what's fascinating about it. This is what Putin says. He's using the argument of cancel culture and saying in the same way that they've tried to silence certain people in the United States who are pushing for a masculine dominated society, same way those people have been culturally punished. That's what the West wants to do to all of us. So, boy, I'll tell you, I mean, yeah, we've had a cowboyism in the United States that has created a kind of, you know, uh, Marlboro man philosophy of what, what a true American is and therefore a true hero is. Well, now that's been exported uh, uh, into the, the political philosophies going on in, in other places in the world. Yeah. And, and boy, it just explains so much. And I think I used to, here's why I say I'm a convert to this. I used to think we could just let that stuff go in some ways, right? Like just stop fussing with it and stop worrying about it. And these kind of man's man's people, uh, it's going to be shown for the fraud that it is, and people are just going to let it go. Well, couldn't have been more wrong about that. It has made a massive resurgence, and um, this is the kind of uh, the war in Ukraine are the kinds of results that happen when a country says we're losing a piece of our nation, and we need to get it back from the abyss. Because again, Putin believes that Ukraine is part of Russia. Right, so I don't agree with that. A lot of other people don't agree with that. They a lot of Ukrainians no, now it's a don't agree with that. Now it's a sovereign nation, but he does. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So the reason is that he thinks it's it's been always a part of the Russian peoples. It should be returned to the Russian peoples and that it's gotten away from itself and we have to rein it back in. That's what, then it all starts to make a little more sense. It's not just about NATO. It's not just about some kind of expansion. It's not just that, boy, he's really mad that, you know, World War II turned out the way that it did and then so did the Cold War and that Russia somehow didn't find the kind of dominance that it needed. But that's the same narrative that's happening in the United States, and it's extremely toxic. Yeah. So the fact that you can pivot from Vladimir Putin, and this article makes this point and raises this thing about Tucker Carlson. And when I read this in the article that Tucker Carlson has launched a season two of a documentary series that he's put together, which happens over on some pay channel related to Fox News... They've created this alternative place called Fox Nation that people have to have a subscription for, a separate online subscription for. And I don't know if we have both of the both of the videos, but in one of the that image, <laughs> but but in one of the videos, uh, Tucker Carlson is talking with the producer of this of this whole effort, and the producer says, "Hey, you know, we're able to produce content over here that a lot of the mainstream media doesn't really like." Which the idea that Fox News is not mainstream media is just. Like, what's the point of having mainstream media <laughs> if Fox News that has a substantial number of viewers in the yeah. United States watches? I, I don't think they understand what, you know, keep using that word. I don't think it means what you think it means, it mainstream mean media. Mean. But they are uh, convinced that the way you make sense over there is to produce content, he said, that doesn't have to suffer under the rules of YouTube. He even says, the, the producer says to Tucker Carlson, hey, you know what's great about this? Is we're producing content that YouTube would take down. Yeah. But we can put it up because people pay for it. So this is how fringy this thing is, is, is going, is they're saying the rest of society will tell us we can't have this and we can't put it out. And Tucker Carlson said, I had no idea that I'd be working for the last free speech space oh my gosh. in the United States. I mean, it just, it's, it's unbelievable how he's turned himself into the hero who's being canceled by all the others. And he does this, he's, he's launching this second season, which is all about true manhood. Mm-hmm. And it becomes so absurd. And the video that we'll watch, so if you're listening only on the, on the podcast, you'll have to go search for it yourself because the visuals of it are kind of the point. <laughs> it is just dripping with this, honestly, Dan, with this weird kind of, uh, shirtless men doing things again, very Putin-esque on the horse. It's yeah. men chopping trees without slow shirts motion, on. sweaty men, and wrestling each other. And it's just got kind of a, a masculine erotica, homoerotica thing going on, which is just surprising to me that they're like, this is what fits the audience. We know what the audience likes. Mm -hmm. That's what they've said. We know what the audience is demanding and we're giving it to them. That's why this is so successful. So they keep saying. And it's this kind of, like men are losing manhood in our society. And then they make a big argument about the decline in testosterone in men around the country, which is actually a thing, right? Men, the amount of testosterone in men is on the decline. That's why there's testosterone boosting uh, supplements that people buy. That's why they figured out how to have men go to doctors and get testosterone. That's why erectile dysfunction is the way that it is. And one of the common treatments for it is testosterone. Yes, there is a testosterone decrease in men in the United States. 
What's causing that, Tucker Carlson? You know what it is? Most likely, environmental concerns. The amount of BPH that's in things decreases male testosterone and raises male estrogen because men have both testosterone and estrogen. And it starts to throw off the balance. So if you did want to say, hey, what do we do about testosterone issues in our, in our society because it's, it's harmful on a male's physiological system for it to have a lack of, of testosterone and it creates all kinds of health conditions that aren't about you're not manly enough. Look, higher or lower testosterone has nothing to do with being manly Right? That's not what it's not what malehood or masculinity is. There's a medical condition going on that's most likely caused by environmental concerns. And people have been talking about this for a very long time, about what do we do about this decline in, in testosterone and some other ways that people act and the way people eat and the amount of exercise that people get because you eliminate certain chemicals from your diet, you exercise more, and you eat differently, and that starts to change your testosterone level. Or you can take an additive or a booster or something else. There's, there's a lot of ways you can do it. But what Tucker Carlson has done with this is now turn this into some sort of a what we need we're, we're losing real men because we don't have testosterone levels can i just talk about the absurdity of this for a minute do, do, do you know what happens between someone being a young boy and they develop their testosterone capacity their testicles start to produce testosterone then they have a rise in testosterone until they reach middle age then they have a declining amount of testosterone and you don't want that to reach too high or too low of levels it can cause all kinds of problems so there are men for whom it's dipping too much at too early of an age and we should deal with that but the, you know who has less testosterone older men <laughs> It just naturally happens. Your body produces less testosterone, and a whole lot of things come from that, a whole lot of results, most of which are, are natural and are supposed to happen. But this idea that Tucker Carlson is now saying to a bunch of older men who subscribe to their channel, do you know why you don't feel like a man? It's not because nature or it's not because of environmental concerns or it's not because of your own actions and behaviors of not exercising enough and eating foods that drive down testosterone. No, you know what it is? Joe Biden. <laughs> the liberals. It's the ideas, liberals. Ideas yeah. are doing this. So you, you might think I'm just being outrageous about this. This little three-minute promo for this next documentary season produced by Tucker Nation or Tucker Product, Tucker Carlson Productions, this is what they're literally saying Tune in to the next season because this is our big argument that something is happening to men and we know where it's coming from and it's the liberals. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, okay, you want to watch it? Uh, I, I don't. I, honestly, I watched it once and I, I never want to see it again. But I did we're going too. To. And, I, and I was conflicted whether we should show it again. I might, I might. <laughs> keep one eye shut just to sort of feel like I'm saving a portion of my soul. Uh, um, but, you know, uh, if you're on the live stream or watching on the recordings, hopefully over on our YouTube channel. By the way, if you watch this anywhere on Facebook or Twitch or Twitter or any of these places, if you would do it over on our YouTube channel, that would really help us. We're going to move a lot of our work over to our YouTube channel. We, we, we need to move our efforts over there. But watch it however you want, uh, with an eye open, with an eye closed. Uh, it's a real dose of, uh, of, uh, of nonsense, but here it is. I welcome this opportunity to speak to the people of America about a subject which I believe to be most important. It's a picture of John Kennedy, of course. And that is the subject of physical fitness. 
got a guy throwing a spear in slow motion. A country uh, is as strong, really, as its citizens. And I think that mental and physical health go hand in hand. Now, shirtless men running and falling on the ground. There is nothing, uh, I and think, And then uh, there's Joe Biden tripping on the stairs. Have, uh, soft, chubby, fat-looking children. I hope that all of you will join and everybody in the United States. JFK bullying sure small children. children. That's great. Bully in a vigorous and adventurous life, which is possible for them in this very rich country of ours. There's been a 50% decline in sperm counts in uh, the last 40 years, along with a precipitous decline in testosterone production. We're headed for a calamity. And that's not hyperbole, it's not exaggeration, it's just a mathematical fact. Would you recommend uh, young men to tan their balls? To what? <laughs> now here's shirtless men doing all kinds of things. Wrestling and milking cows? I don't know. <laughs> and then a man standing naked in front of a light that's Once tanning collapses, then, his testicles. You're in hard times. Well, shirtless man. Hard iron sharpens iron, as they shirtless say. Shirtless man. And those hard times inevitably produce men who are shirtless man in hot tub. Are resourceful men who or cold are strong tub. enough to survive. And then they go on to reestablish a man shirtless and drinking and so a glass of water again. and a naked man standing in front of the end of men this is the title and then a man flexing his muscles it, it is a naked man standing you know back to, with his back to the camera flexing his muscles at the end of this and this big decry that there's an end of men. And this is what explains. Now look, you could think just he's just being ridiculous, he's just being silly. The reason they've determined that this argument could produce a documentary series that's going to be on their pay for channel is because they know people are being fed a constant narrative of the feminization of America. I thought Dan the most telling image in there was when it showed men I think congressmen protesting on their knees with masks on at a protest, and it said, weak men. Yeah. Weak men that wear masks. Weak and men kneel that for kneel. any reason. Now, I, I, I didn't know if kneeling is a good thing or not a good thing, because it used to be that that was a real sign of respect and you know that that's what you would do. But no, no, no. Now it's become, you don't kneel to anyone. You're real, you're real men who are real strong. And look, should we be having a conversation about what does it mean to be a man in our society? Yes, because we should yep. be having a conversation about what does it mean to be a human being in any gender expression that you have. And this is why the transgender issue is so impassioned for them, so gets them so fired up. It's why all of these issues come right to a head in this narrative about men. In the conversation we had a couple of weeks ago with Jonathan Wilson Hartgrove here on this podcast, we were talking about some things happening with banning of books. Uh, which, you know, the fact that we're still having conversations in this country about banning and burning books is just so disheartening. But he said... The way to think about American culture, and you can see it in American history, is that we have these cultural call and response moments. What in the religious experiences are referred to as call and response, where someone says something, maybe a preacher or a choir, and then the congregation, the audience responds. You see this all the time. 
works really what works at concerts. It works at sporting events. It works when you put your hands together in the circle before you're going to, you know, do a thing and you do a one, two, three chant and someone says something and other people say something. Call response is extraordinarily powerful and integrated into our society. He said, what we experience culturally is a call response. There's been this movement away from toxic masculinity because we've seen the harm that it's given to this country. And then there's been a response. You will not replace us. We are real men. Let's increase the amount of men's only life and and movement. And look, they're exploiting the fact that so many men struggle with what does it mean to live in our society? Their own father issues, their issues with being fathers themselves. How do you provide and do you make your, your sense of worth out of what you provide? There are a lot of issues that face people who present in our world as males. For sure. There's a lot of dis, there, there's a lot, a lot of disgruntled and a lot of discord going on. And they're exploiting it and trying to say, do you know why you feel that way? Because these liberals <laughs> and have it's sucked not the, the testosterone out of your body. Uh, they pulled the testosterone right out of you. It's it's like a testosterone extraction movement, the political movement of, of liberals. Yeah. Well, this is um, this is actually a, a context for an entire way of uh, of of organizing our society, and what we're going to do about it. Um, I'm now convinced can't simply be we're just going to let it pass because. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I, I have thought for the last 20 years, I mean, I've been paying attention to these issues for about 20 years in the Christian evangelical religious movement, the movement that I've been a part of. And I've just kept thinking, like, there's no way this can last. Like, it doesn't, it, people are going to see through it. They're going to realize that, you know, that, that men's movement of the early 2000s, late 1990s, early 2000s, maybe middle 1990s to middle 2000s that happened in Christianity, big men's movement kind of thing, just came up empty from the promise keepers effort to John Elridge writing books about what it really means to be a man and yeah. accountability groups and, and all of this, all this stuff. It's already been tried in the religious community and was shown for what it was, which is something that shamed men, created sexual uh, discord with men and women and children and teenagers. It was just, it, it, it was terrible in that, in that community. And now it's alive and well in the, in the conservative right, not mm-hmm. even the religious right. Yeah. Uh, it's it's a really, really quite shocking. I like the, the subtitle of this article. The backlash against modernity is both deadly serious and irresistibly comical. Because for a lot of us, we look at a shirtless picture of Putin and see the ridiculousness of it. Yes. The, just the bold-faced like, attempt to compensate for something. And we see a, you know, a clip like that Tucker Carlson promo and just laugh at the absurdity. But it has deadly serious consequences. It yep. feeds into this toxic masculinity that leads to the oppression of women, rape culture, so yep. much bad news for so many people. So while we can laugh at a you know pickup truck with you know those truck nuts dangling from the back, obviously God, compensating I for know, I don't something. even know what that is. That's <laughs> oh, a thing. you haven't seen this? Like no, these giant lifted pickup trucks, and they literally off the back end have like some brass testicles swinging 
from their truck. You haven't you haven't come across. I have I have not I have not. <laughs> but, you know I I could be so naive at this stuff that I may have seen that and, uh, and had and never never made the uh, connection that those are meant to represent yeah. truck nuts. Um, yeah, truck, <laughs> truck Google nuts. that later. Yeah, and like like that whole image that he has at the end of this thing that men should be tanning their testicles and makes the argument. And do, I think we might have a slide with that quote on it, right? Um, and, and when we started this, because I had watched this and was so disturbed by it, I thought, are they like making fun of men who tan their testicles? And I don't know if you know that this happened. The fact that we're talking about this at all, and people are, you know, Jeez, if you listen to this in yeah. the car with your kids on, you might be thinking to yourself, what are you, why, why are you talking about this? Well, I kind of wondered that too. Why in the world would anyone talk about tanning your testicles? Well, apparently... I, I thought Tucker Carlson was going to be making fun of that and saying it's gotten so ridiculous. Men are thinking that they have to like tan their testicles to show that they're real men or something. No, yeah. it's the other side. He's saying we think that maybe we could help with testosterone building by men getting UV lights on their testicles like evolution originally had men going around. <laughs> Yeah, so he says in this article, quote, this is Tucker Carlson, so obviously half the viewers now are like, what, testicle tanning? That's crazy, uh, Carlson says. But my view is, okay, testosterone levels have crashed and nobody is saying anything about it. That's crazy. So why is it crazy to seek solutions? End quote. This other guy that he's interviewing says, it's not crazy. It's not crazy to seek solutions, adding to Carlson that he has recently been exposed to the term bromeopathy. <laughs> That you need a solid dose uh, like of being a man. Uh, uh, it, it's just hard to wrap your head around. Like, is this all just goofing on Elvis, right? Or, you know, has he lost his mind here? Look, the, the idea... Yeah, are and they you can trolling see, us? Is this just... Yes. Are, are we is, being punked here? Like, <laughs> I, I, I've just thought this for so many times. Like, if if... If Trump or Car Tucker Carlson or any of these people would have been like, okay, now do you see how crazy it's gotten? You people believed me. This tells us how far we've gotten from the real argument that we should, arguments we should be having, how far we've drifted from true conservatism for those who think that that's a positive thing, for those who thought that, you know, um, America couldn't be taken over by, by really wacko ideas. Now do you see how clear it is? It would have been relieving. I mean, I thought maybe that was going to happen, you know, mid-election season 2016, maybe 20. And now I'm like, oh, no, I think these people either fully commit to it and they're just cosplay and will not stop. Mm -hmm. Or, which I think Tucker Carlson might actually be. He might actually just be saying, here's how I extract dollars and here's how I extract um, uh, attention from, from all this. And then on the other hand, they could just be believing all of it. But whatever it is, it really is harmful to people. Yeah. And it's really dangerous. And the idea that Vladimir Putin is being motivated in great part because he thought that he saw the weakening of the Ukrainian army and thought they were an easier uh, opponent because of the kinds of soldiers they have. Now, you think, wh why? how would someone think that, that women in the army is going to make it weaker or that allowing LGBTQ people to be in the army is going to make it weaker? Those are the very arguments that conservatives have made about the United States Army. That when we 
first with Clinton had don't ask, don't tell. They were like, you have to go find every gay person in the army and get them out because they're a liability. And then when the army said, we're now not only going to get rid of don't ask, don't tell, but we're open and inclusive to people to participate in the armed forces if they're uh, gays or lesbians. People are still saying to this day that the American military system is weaker because those people are in it. This is the kind of stuff. Pundits say this stuff about gay members of Congress. They say it about gay members of the administration. There is this idea that somehow being gay means that you're feminine if you're a male or that you're overly masculine if you're a female and it's confusing the issues of gender and sexuality. And it's just a mess. Now, have, do we do enough in our society to help people understand these things? No. Are we going to need to do more in our own work, work and channels to help people understand this stuff? Obviously. But the alternatives to it, it's really bad. And, and this notion from Tucker Carlson that no one's talking about the drop in testosterone. Um, welcome to the jungle, my friend. Yes, they are talking <laughs> about it. It's actually all over. Oh, how is it you just stumbled onto some expert who can tell you statistics about testosterone level and sperm level among you know uh, typical procreative ages of men? Because people are talking about this. Why is it that testosterone pills are all over your Facebook ads when you reach a certain age? Because they think they've figured out how to boost testosterone. Why is it that erectile dysfunction uh, pills are such a big deal? Because people are talking about this. This is the other thing these folks do. They take something that is very well understood, <laughs> present it to their audience like no one's ever heard of this before. They won't allow then, it on Facebook. You have to pay <laughs> to get the real scoop on our website. That's it. We're the only ones telling you the truth. We're the mm -hmm. final stop. By the way, one of the ways that um, authoritarian systems work is to start out by saying to people, we're the last stop. If you don't elect us, listen to me, buy this... There's no stopping what's going to happen next. And look, both sides of political spectrums work on this. This is the most important election of our lifetime. If we lose this one, then yeah, it's all over. Democracy is in the balance. Yeah. Right? And I know there's some people here in this that they're like, yeah, but when it comes to voting rights or when it comes to voting protections, then it's really true. Like we're one election away from... Don't go down that path. Cataclysm is not the only motivator. Truth is a better motivator than cataclysm, and cataclysm is not our best answer for these kinds of issues. We have to work diligently at these things over and over. But the way that authoritarian systems work is they say to people, well, if not me, then no one. Yeah, we're the so this only one standing in between society and ruin and anarchy. You can only get it here. And I get that. I feel like that's how we should view this podcast. People can only get it here. And if you don't, if, if you let us go away, what's going to become of your lives, people? I'm telling you, Barbara, David, Robert, um, Ryan, I mean, what, what, what are you going to do? So be sure to head on over there to Vote Common Good and make a donation today or follow us on our YouTube channel. And really do honestly subscribe on our YouTube channel. We need to get to a magical number. So really do do that. Not, not because you need us or because the world would be bad without us, but the world's just a little bit better because we're here. But this kind of, a, of an argument is what Tucker Carlson is, is, is making. He's actually making an argument that no one talks about this, and I'm now going to make the craziest of suggestions to save manhood. And I guess it's better that he's just producing a crappy 
version of a documentary than invading a neighboring country that used to have <laughs> ethnic and political ties here. So, you know, win win on that one for for the Tucker Carlsons of the world. Yeah. And look, maybe if some men watch that and uh, get healthier, that's that's not a terrible thing. If they want to chop some wood and exercise a little, good for them. Great point. You know, uh, to your to your very well stated commentary during the video, had um, you know John Kennedy not been you know shaming and bullying uh, overweight children in the 1960s, uh, maybe we <laughs> wouldn't be tolerating that uh, today. That was a little disheartening to see. But it's interesting that he pulls out a clip. And if I don't know if we're going to play this one on live on the podcast or how people are going to do it, but you probably have to go watch it. But anyway, in the clip, they have this quote. They start the whole thing with John Kennedy. Almost saying, oh, are you the kind of Democrat that used to love Kennedy? <laughs> well, we don't have John Kennedy anymore with his workout plans and his strong men and shaming overweight children as if it's their fault. And now we have feeble Joe Biden tripping as he goes up the stairs. Can't The man can't even stand up. And we have weak politicians on their knees taking mm-hmm. a knee like, you know, uh, in solidarity with those who've who've been knocked to the ground while they wear masks. That's what it's been replaced with. Boy, John Kennedy wouldn't have put up with this. No, he would have been bullying kids. And so, (laughs) so when we bully kids, you know, that's just, that's just what you do. Let's get back to the good old days where we- Good old days of some truth telling. Yeah. Having said that, I I think I mentioned this before that 1976, I I learned to hate the president for the first time in my life. Um, And it wasn't out of politics at all. It was- um, before uh, the election of 1976 that elected Jimmy Carter and Jerry Ford was the president of the United States. And the reason I came to hate him was because we had to do a fitness workout thing in sixth grade called uh, the presidential fitness test. Yeah, that was still a thing when I was in school. Had to do, I, I wasn't strong enough and I had a very large body. In sixth grade, I was uh, six feet tall, 160 pounds. I was a man-sized child in in. Uh, sixth grade. There was no way with my little sixth grade. No, I'm 10 years old. Uh, There's no way with my little 10 year old body. So I'm probably not that. How how old are you in sixth grade? Uh, You're like 11 and 12. 11 and 12. Okay. So I'm just before. So I'm probably five, nine and 140 pounds. I was a huge, huge child. There there was no way I could do a pull-up. So I had to do the bent arm hang where you would start out, you know, and then they'd pull a chair away and then you had to hang there for a certain number of seconds. And if you didn't get the certain number of seconds, that and then on the run and some other thing, I think we had to throw something, you had to do it again and do it again. And I remember hanging there and just saying, I hate the president, I hate the president. Like I thought it was, a, I was like blaming the president for the presidential fitness work, which is probably started by John Kennedy. But at the time, the president was Jerry Ford. So I was like learning to hate the president of the United States. <laughs> Because of the demands yeah. of of a fitness hang, which well, I would just say, like you put these unrealistic standards that <laughs> yes. should apply to everyone, like <laughs> totally. like all body types, all upbringings, everyone should be able to adhere to these physical standards. Like, and then Do you if remember you the rope climb? You, you're just shamed in front of your peers. Like that's Do just you the- brutal. Yeah, because then I remember going to gym class like three days later or two days later and still with kind of the you know presidential fitness shame hanging over me. And it was, <laughs> in, our, in our place, we called it, we, we played a game called Trench, which is where you th- 
took the playground balls and you divide it up on the basketball court, you know, people on each half, and you would throw the ball. And if someone got hit, then they would have to they'd come off their side and come to behind the baseline on your side. And then people were throwing at you from both sides. So it was like a war narrative, you know, called a trench. <laughs> so you were in the trenches on the other side. People called it bomb bomb or dodgeball, I guess. It was kind of a version of dodgeball. But instead of the person going out to the side, they went behind you and were throwing balls from both sides. Did you play that game? No, I played regular dodgeball. But. Dodgeball or whatever? Okay, so let's just say it's a version of dodgeball that was... Maybe it was just in our little, you know, I went to Golden Valley schools, and so maybe we just had a more brutal version. Because yeah, we, we got softer re- in the 90s. Totally. We were creating real men back in the 70s. <laughs> so I remember going from that, and my body shape as a 5'9 or 5'10 uh, long person, you, you know what I, with big hands, you know what I could do? I could throw a trench ball. I could throw a, a playground ball. And I remember the teacher coming over and saying like, hey, um, maybe throw with your other hand. Like you can't, you, cause you know, a when you're 10. trebuchet with those yeah, long arms. Yeah, when you're 10 or 11, you're just whipping that ball and you know, and it was always, you know, kids yelling out, don't throw at the head, don't throw at the head. You know, everybody would yell that. And like you, like you could, Like I could try to hit you in the head. I was just throwing the ball as hard as I could. So what it did is it created this weirdness, right? Like I hate the president because I'm doing the the bar hang. But then the other physical activity is I could whip a basketball. And, you know, when it was time for volleyball, it's good. The point being that you made earlier. Yeah, people have all kinds of different ways of being healthy or strong or physically Mm -hmm. fit or something. I'm not saying I was, you know, some... But what kid in sixth grade is physically, that's just all biology in sixth grade. Like it's not yeah. fitness. You're not, you're not doing fitness in sixth grade, fifth grade. It's just your, it's just your general chemistry and maybe some of your, you know, maybe if I didn't go home and eat, you know, half a box of Captain Crunch after school in a big wooden bowl, which we did for after school yeah. snack. But that's uh, what's funny sure. about this too, like the backlash against Michelle Obama's like healthy school lunch program. Yeah. <laughs> It's like, we want kids to be healthy and more like this idealized masculinity dream. But if you're going to tell our kids what to eat at school, you are a communist. It's the nanny state and you think these kids can't take care of themselves. (laughs) That's a great point that the same people making the argument, we don't need the government telling our kids what to eat or what to do are now putting out this stuff. Like, remember when the president said it was good to have strong kids? Um, and this is the rhetoric, right? It's all used in trying to move people to some sort of a political conclusion mm-hmm. that liberals are limp wristed. Did you use this phrase? I mean, this was a big phrase when I was back, back in the seventies, pinko commies, limp wristed pinko commies, you, you know, that, that kind of phrase, like you weren't quite red, but you were kind of pink and, but the basis of all of it is some kind of male slandering limp-wristed. I still hear it in societies. I hear it on on uh, people saying things like, they just don't have the cojones Yeah, well, we've it. got uh, David like, in the chat saying, Doug the beta male, which is apparently the worst thing you can be these days because everyone has to be the alpha male. And I if was you're not, a, oof. Is there's some political commentator, uh, radio show host guy, I think named Jesse... Peterson. This was before uh, I knew about uh, Joe Rogan and these guys, but he's sort of made out of that cloth. 
And I've been on his show a couple of times, and he's he like has me on as like the pastor showing that pastors have become weak and <laughs> yeah. feminine. You're and, the cautionary tale. Like Yeah, totally. And honestly, to today's point, in the middle of things, when I would be talking about talking about things that, you know, I, I thought was going on with being against Donald Trump or he saw my sign behind me that said Black Lives Matter and went on and on about that. And he's a black man himself, so it was a really curious kind of argument we we're having. But I would be in the middle of saying something like I am now, and he would just start doing and I am not kidding you. We we should pull up the video and play it sometime. He would start going, beta male, beta male. <laughs> And the first I was, I didn't know what he was doing. I didn't even like know that that was a derogatory phrase. Yeah. And I was like, are you, are you saying beta male right now? It's hilarious. And he's like, beta male. And I said, are you like making fun of me? Like I'm on your radio show and your the live stream, like you're making fun of me as a, he's like, well, how come you're so beta male and yeah. not not a real and I'm like and now you're like questioning my manhood because the things that I'm saying seem like they're what to compassionate like beta that's what <laughs> that's what gets me it's like any sign of compassion empathy caring for others is viewed as weakness like unless you're this tough guy that doesn't care yes. about feelings F your feelings. That's like a mantra of toxic masculinity. Yeah. If you're not that, you're you're a beta. <laughs> I mean, it's just, and it all goes back. It explains the opposition to Barack Obama in so many ways because that that was the big push back then too, right? That he was not a real man. And this thing kind of came on, right? There, there was a period where the where the critique of liber, of liberals from conservatives was, you're corrupt or you're inept, or you want to take what I have. Now it's this weird mix of, you have all the power, you can cancel us, you are the ones running the world, mm -hmm. we're this small little opposition. You know, like I was joking at the start of this thing that, you know, I'm in the bunker of resistance. Like that's, that's, the, that's the pitch they take seriously. Mm -hmm. Like we're the resistance, you're the mass movement, but we really have more people, but you're really in control of everything. Super confusing. Yeah, very confusing. And you're too... feminine or something and all this push to more inclusion and more women and not wanting gender identities to be something that we use to punish people for all of that. Again, I would have thought and still believe it just can't have cultural currency in the world we live in, but man, and I know I come back to January 6th too often, but you look at all the energy around January 6th and all the antecedents before that, that led to it. And it's just full of the kind of gun carrying, you know, uh, uh, rodeo culture idea of of our society that that real men are being driven out, and that we need we need real men, and real men don't critique, and they don't bow their knees, and they don't do all these things, and and that's what's actually brought about, you know, international calamity in addition to the just difficulties that are uh, happening in our own society. Yeah, men would rather stage an insurrection than go to therapy <laughs> or start a war in ukraine I don't know, buy twitter line. that's a great line they'd rather start they'd rather have an insurrection than start going to therapy that's a that's a winner uh, we should put that on a coffee mug um, 
Yeah, it, it just and and that some and look, I'm not saying that Tucker Carlson's not going to make a really important point, and like you say, that some men are going to probably get more healthy, and people are going to figure out that testosterone levels are really a problem, and they should probably deal with those, and and maybe they're going to talk about pesticides, and maybe they're going to talk about B, BPH levels, and maybe they're going to talk about diet and all the rest of that. Maybe mm-hmm. I'll just say what they pitched in the promo for the season, the thing that said, here's what this is about is Joe Biden tripping going upstairs, John Kennedy bullying kids, and um, Democratic men, uh, politicians, uh, on their knees uh, with wearing masks. And then they contrast that visually with half-dressed, muscular men fighting, shooting, cutting, milking, and wrestling. The milking was a weird turn for me. I don't know what... And, is that what men do? I, and can I just ask, wh- why, why is it more manly to do things with your shirt off? Is it because <laughs> you're separating yourselves culturally from women who are not allowed to do so? Is, th- is that fundamentally what it is? That I can bear my chest and it's manly and women can't? Is it just because... I have no idea. Only to the smallest subset of people in our society does someone think, well, that's a better look that those men don't have shirts on. <laughs> um, I mean, almost anywhere, right? It's not typically a better look. We used to have a neighbor across the street that would always mow his lawn with jeans, uh, shoes, and no shirt. That's a uh, look, on, yeah. On days that didn't demand it. You, you, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, 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 there are some summer days when you go out to, to mow and you're like, Hey, it's 4.30, sun's starting to move along. I don't think we need to go shirtless. Uh, and I just have never understood the shirtless in public in public thing. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a wannabe, uh, again, a runner because I'm injured. And there's a lot of runners who run shirtless. And uh, short of the, the, the first time I ran uh, 17 miles, I think, uh, I made a little stop at a college uh, to use their the restroom, because um, I didn't plot out my running route very well, and I really needed to use a restroom. And there was a college, so I went to the college and went into the bathroom that had a mirror in it, because that's you know bathrooms do in public public bathrooms. And I looked at my shirt, and I was wearing a white shirt, and there were these red streaks going right down mm. sort of the sides of my shirts, my shirt, and on the front. And I was like, "What is that?" And so I looked down close, and I'm like, it "Looks like blood." And then I reached under. And I'd experienced this thing that runners experience, which is that your nipples get rubbed off because the polyester shirt rubs up and down. Uh, and depending on the how you hold your body and the construct of your chest and all this stuff, for some people, it creates a great amount of fix- friction. So they actually sell little nipple guards uh, for runners, or you often put Vaseline on it. You'll see this. Duck. I was going to say, or you can go shirtless. And, and I still, to this day, even I ran myself to bloody nipple status. <laughs> Which I also thought should be the name of a drink if it's not already uh, the, the bloody nipple. Uh, it uh, and I still can't run shirtless. Um, uh, in fact, on the bike tour that we did, there was one day I took my shirt off and rode for a little bit, and the documentarians for this documentary captured it, and it's in the it's in the preview uh, thing, and it drives me crazy. Now I'm they're like, like oh, was, this is gold. That was a terrible mistake <laughs> that I took my shirt off. I am so sorry. Can we just? Remove that. Can I, can I just deeply apologize to everyone for going shirtless? So I, I get it. I'm on this spectrum of I don't understand why shirtlessness, whether you're riding a horse or milking a cow or or the rest of this, is a thing you do in public. When when the rest of the gear, like I'll go easy on runners because they're usually out there then with just a pair of running shorts and 
some socks and shoes, maybe some sunglasses or a visor. But the men out there with jeans on and riding horses and all the rest of this, it's something that must be sort of subconscious or sort of, uh, I, I don't know, evolutionary, do you think? It's like baring your teeth or baring your chest or being... Yeah, it's very much like gorilla energy, like banging on your chest. Like, look at me. I'm the alpha male. It's that kind of vibe. Yeah. Which again, you know, I, I know I complain too much about professional football or maybe not enough, but so much of professional football pushes this narrative, you know, the whole thing, it just has this kind of vibe because it's become so popular. And that's why I think also whatever's going on in professional football with Kaepernick, you know, not standing for the flag and kneeling for it. I think all that stuff was just like the perfect, you cannot bring that non-male real oh, yeah. thing into this world. Like that's the final, this is the final place where we're protected. So Donald Trump says we're done with the NFL. They're no longer the place that carries true manhood. Yeah, and the last and look, bastion and it, of true masculinity. And it's not just men that are into this overly masculine culture, by the way. There are so many women who support and push this stuff. So many cultural voices that are arguing for it. It's not as simple as men support a kind of overly male masculine ma masculinity thing and women don't. There's a lot of men who are speaking out against it and there's a lot of women who speak for it. So I think we have to know that it doesn't just serve only one gender, it serves a political view. It serves a, a, a cultural worldview is a better way to say it. And that cultural wor worldview has been captured um, uh, by these uh, by these folks and is fueling what's going on in uh, in Russia, in Ukraine, and at our own insurrection here and, and all the other places where we find, we find ourselves. So uh, I didn't know two days ago that I'd be so impassioned about talking <laughs> about this. Um, should we yeah. should we glance at the comments? Oh, wow. There's... Yeah, it was an active chat today. Yeah. And I'll just say it's funny for the people that are all about freedom, freedom to do whatever, no one can tell you how to live. Yeah. To really want to tell people how to live and how to be in the world. Like, <laughs> you're free to do whatever, but don't you dare show your emotions as a man. Don't you dare have empathy for people. Don't, you know, it's like just the double standards really, really get me. That is a really great point that, that, and, and, you know, it's easy to call hypocrisy on any movement or set of ideas, of course. But this one's a little particular. That they're like, no one's gonna, no, no one should tell you what to do, but we're the only ones who are investigating this, and you should probably find out from us what's really going on. Like, we know the secrets. That, that thing that exists in the conspiracy theory place, and I only bring up conspiracy theories because Tucker Carlson, in another one of his videos promoting this season where he's talking to this producer, says, you know, we produced a lot of things in the first season of this that people were calling conspiracy theories and like only until they realize that, you know, we've really found out something that they can't answer. And then, then they stop that conspiracy theory. Like somehow they're even recrafting that conspiracy theories are just for the uninformed. Now that is absolutely a wink and a nod to trying to keep the QAnon crowd uh, in, in the Fox nation and, and, and over in that world. They're, they're absolutely bargaining for that. Um, and now it's the great testosterone conspiracy, you know, the thing that uh, only some people uh, know about. 
So Robert says, uh, toxic masculinity is real. Feeding it is grooming men for war. War is the most toxic masculinity there is. Conservatives are setting up for a war or genocide with crap like this. Tucker Carlson will be tucked away on his private island when the SHF, I think that's the... Stuff hits Shiloh the fan. Hits the fan. Stuff uh, hits the fan. Uh, that that he started. Um, yeah, I'm I'm afraid of that too, uh, Robert. I think that's actually what's um, what's going on. Uh, okay, and then uh, uh, Kev Joe Kelly says, "Vote common good." The truth is that there's nothing masculine about murdering women and children. There's nothing masculine about committing genocide. Putin once said that he was on a Christian crusade. Well, he obviously has never heard of "Thou shall not kill." Galatians six seven was written. For Putin, and it will explain why it doesn't take much if you're a man, if you resort to killing mostly women and children to prove your masculinity. And, and uh, Kev Joe goes on and on. Yeah, look, that's the, the thing that's been shocking to me about the turn in, in Ru- uh, Putin's Russia is it used to be that the big argument for us to be against, com- against communism and against the Soviet Union was that they were godless. That's now pivoted, and now Christian conservatives talk about Putin as being the most Christian nation in the world. Russia, under Putin, is the most Christian nation in the world. They push this stuff all the time. And what they mean is because he says stuff like this, and because Mm -hmm. Putin then takes on this Christian concept uh, narrative uh, of of a certain way of operating the world and it's now become Christian. So, so many Christians have been extolling Putin for a long time, which is why when you think, why is Trump, I mean, the fact that he probably owes him hundreds of millions of dollars (laughs) and they probably have some information on him. But even if that wasn't the case, even if it's not the case, it's because the Christian base in the United States believes that Russia is a more Christian nation than the United States when there's a democratic president and a democratic administration. Mm -hmm. It's, quite quite shocking yeah it's wild to watch people like tucker carlson especially early on was like why would i be against russia what why wouldn't i cheer for russia as they're yeah. invading ukraine totally they're i mean what's what's better that we end up like ukraine or we end up like russia and hungary and when you when you hang around the the anti-christian the christians who are anti-globalists like the ones that attacked the Capitol and went into the Senate. Then they start talking about where in the world do we see examples of what the United States should and could be like. They start naming other countries that they see as exemplary of this. Yeah. Russia, Hungary, uh, uh, some nations in Africa that have a very anti-LGBTQ policies and all the rest. And, and you're like, oh, so that's a kind of, there's a kind of Christian global expression there that's more, and you want to then, as a Christian nationalist, import that into the United States because yeah. that's your definition of actually being more Christian. Did you watch uh, that series, The Family, about the Christians that do the national prayer breakfast and all that? There's oh, this yeah. whole segment about how they go to other countries. They'll go to countries in Africa that support like these heinous laws that call for the execution of gay people and lament that they can't do stuff like that in America. Like that is their vision of a Christian nation. That's their vision of it. Yep. Yeah, no, I know that group uh, quite well. And it's, uh, they're powerful in their influence and they're, it's really disturbing. And they keep up the religious rights in this country. 
um, and they prop up the political religious right in this country very um, intentionally and very effectively. Yeah. And, uh, you know, there's this, there's this saying in, in the organizing world, blessed are those who organize. And it's kind of true, right? Sometimes the success goes to those who are the most organized. And those people are organized. Yeah. I think they're wrong. I think they're opposite of right, whatever that is, because <laughs> wrong, wrong doesn't go far enough. You know, you're, yeah. you're anti-right, you're anti-correct. And of course, not on everything, right? There's some things that, of course, they're they're into, and everyone would agree, and all the rest. It's yeah. they're not they're not we're not talking devils here, but there's that stuff that they're like. But this actually what separates us and the rest of the kind of the global common goodery is this stuff. And you're like, oh, that's your distinctive. Your distinctive isn't that you're more loving. Your distinctive isn't that you have an ethic of love that extends beyond personal benefit. It's not, it's not that your, your, your ethic isn't that we're going to extend the same love that we have for God and for self and for neighbor to enemy. That's, that's not, it's, we are really, really opposed to this worldview that's going to remove men and remove men from the top of the system. It's that's, that's wacky. the hill you want to die on. <laughs> yeah. And I'll just, just say, like, else. I'm not anti being strong and like there's this idea that people who are against toxic masculinity are also yes. against lifting weights and having <laughs> trucks. Yes. And like, like, no, I'm yes. against like using your power over others who are weaker than you. That's what makes it toxic. And yes, and also what makes it toxic is saying that your version of masculinity is the only true version and that it's the only way to be a man is to swing an axe and yeah drink raw eggs yeah uh, both things that i actually do as well as you you, you may do <laughs> like you know i have, there's a cowboy hat right back there hanging, uh, hanging yeah. on anything you know and and you've got a you got a you have the beard of a man right <laughs> yeah I, I drive a ford you know big trucky thing uh, I mean, just it's more for utility than for self-identity, which is probably the difference, right? Um, yeah, you're you're right. That's that's something that the the argument needs to be made that it's not men and it's not even those artifacts and it's not even those. You know, I guess I come may come across that way as a you know hyper beta male by being against football and war. Um, <laughs> but I, I, but but I will say, you know, who else is against football? Former football players, the people who performed at the highest level are like, this thing is dangerous and it's reckless. And it's people that end up with that CRT. Is that what it is? CRT? Is it what the brain? Uh, no, that's the, the brain letters? Critical race theory. <laughs> yeah, but is it also cognitive? Uh, no, yeah, uh, CMF, uh, ESPN. I don't know what it is. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, brain, um, the brain struggle, yeah. they're against it. You, you know who's most against war? Generals who have gone to war will tell you let's do everything we can to not have a war and they just happen to believe that being more prepared as the military is a better way to not have a war you talk to any of them they're like we should not go to war mm -hmm. so yeah it's soldiers not a, that have been in yeah. war <laughs> yeah maybe let's think twice before we jump into this yeah, that's right it, it, it wasn't the pacifist who coined the phrase war is hell it was soldiers mm -hmm. who recognized that that reality so these are the kinds of things that that should happen in society, right? And it's not just saying that, you know, that that non-athletic... I mean, also, Tucker Carlson, 
could we just have a little conversation about your own personal engagement and the manly things you see on there? Because I'm just guessing that's not actually how you spend your time, (laughs) right? So trying to be like, there's real men and this is what they look like. Like when Joe Rogan pulls that that stunt, you're like, okay, Mr. You know, ultimate fighting guy and Mr. You know, you're you're doing all of your videos in you know a really tight shirt to show off your mm-hmm. your maybe creatine influenced physique, maybe not. I don't know what your what supplements you're ingesting, but that's not Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson was the bow tie wearing guy that was on CNN, like you know, <laughs> saying words have power, the power of the pen, and now he's like. This guy. So, what is this all about, right? It's like performative masculinity. Yes, it's like oh, when that's a great these, phrase. You know, politicians like you know Donald Trump Jr. likes to post pictures of him shooting guns and looking tough. Like it's performative. It's a it's an act. Yeah, performative masculinity. We we need to figure out a way to make that the alternative to uh, to bromopathy. <laughs> uh, like, what's the performative masculinity? <laughs> Bro, There's a way, but, but that is such a great phrase. But that's a that's a really good point. That and it's it's performative for a point mm-hmm. to to try to make an argument. It's it's political performance art. It's yeah. not it's not even like um, try, just trying to send a good message to my kids. You know, so I'm gonna you know get dressed up in my stuff and go for a run or a bike ride or I'm gonna you know. Son, we're going to get out in the backyard then we're going to chop that tree down and we're going to cut it up into firewood and you know it's a good thing to, like the, there's a kind of performative thing that might be okay doing these activities. That isn't what Tucker Carlson's doing with all this stuff. That's not what Vladimir Putin is doing. That's not what the, mm-hmm. the what the authoritarian leader of Hungary is doing. That's not what any of these like anti LGBTQ movements are really about. They're they're not like Let's just find a way for people to be more engaged and more healthy and more outdoorsy. My guess is that you know that's that's not really the the attitude of so many of these mm-hmm. people who are arguing that this is the that this is the real problem. But he's tapping into something, right? And yeah. This is always the debate that I have with these with these pundits: is are they creating this, or are they responding to it, or are they in some sort of a synergistic relationship? And. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably synergistic, but I think they're actually responding to something that they think works for people, which really truly might be that the population of males that are over the age of 50 in this country are is enormous, and it's a lot of their audience, and they're actually trying to figure out why don't I have the same level of energy and stamina and sense of well-being in the world now that I'm retired. Yeah, and, and sense of purpose. I think that's a huge thing facing not just... 50 year old men but you know generations of americans like what what am i here for and a lot of times the far right gives them a purpose by giving them an enemy and i think that's a really potent that's right and the enemy could be anything you trip on the stairs you're an enemy can you imagine if the way george hw bush when he was president and got food poisoning and threw up on the lap of the japanese prime minister you remember that no that was a great one they're at a state dinner and he's sitting next to him, and he like his head kind of spins. And he leans over and oh, throws up right in his. I mean, can you imagine if that had happened uh, now, or, or if Biden gets COVID and then it's like, uh, see, he's weak and feeble because he got this disease. Where when Trump got it, he literally wanted to put on a Superman shirt and then come out and stand in front of people because he's 
a Superman. Like they just, it doesn't matter what you do. And this is what progressives and liberals, Democrats worry about all the time. They're like, let's not give them anything they can use against us. That's not how it works. They don't use things against you that are your weaknesses. They use things against you that are your strengths. This is what makes some of these people master communicators. You never attack an enemy's weakness. What's the point? They know it's a weakness. You attack their strength, hmm. right? That that's how you would operate in any kind of a uh, any kind of a conflict. And yeah. because people have chosen to make politics into sport and into war, you attack their you attack their uh, their, their strength. Yeah. Hey, uh, by the way, Susan uh, uh, Elsie reminds us that CTE is the are the letters for the for the brain injury. Thank you, Susan. Thanks for listening. Um, oh. Very helpful. Boy, I just see he's because I... And so good luck there. Philosophy. NC. That's a lot of letters. philosophy. Yeah, that looks like a that looks like a word scramble. That looks like something you'd have to like make sense of on uh, Wordle. Yeah. <laughs> Still not playing Wordle, are you? Oh yeah. Still, are you on Wordle? You're on it. Oh yeah. Jeez, should I do good. it? Should I launch in? Is you it should, is it a good yeah. morning routine? You can okay. only do it once a day, so it's not like habit forming. Okay. You know? Yeah. Doesn't consume your life. Feel safe now to get into Wordle. It felt uh, early on like it might have been one of the burgeoning cult groups, you know, like <laughs> CrossFit or Peloton or uh, Twitter or something like that. And you just think, hmm, I don't know if I want to be in that. Wordle, it's the tanning of your testicles for liberals. Oh, Barbara says Wordle is great. Uh, yeah. And again, can we just make a commitment here uh, that never again do we have to talk about testicle tanning? Um, <laughs> not, not that I'm opposed to tanning. One and done, yeah. Or opposed to testicles. It's just so absurd. It's just so, so bizarre. But where they're marketing geniuses is luck now. We, we may not have wanted to talk about this had they not gone to the level of absurdity. Yeah. Win for the bad guys. <laughs> All right, everybody. All right. Well, we'll okay, be back men, tomorrow. Men, men, women, children, uh, and anyone else who identifies otherwise, be strong out there. Yeah, see everybody. Everybody.